Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness Sunday, uh, expulsion of Adam from paradise, cheese fair, they're all important, every one of them. But I'm going to take the Sunday of forgiveness today, and I'm going to take a little bit of a liberty. Now, I didn't ask you, Father Nicholas, for permission to do this, but I invited a guest speaker. I hope you don't mind. mind. Now, the reason I didn't ask you is because you do it at Pascha, because you invite our Father among the Saints, John Chrysostom, to give the homily. Now, today, I'm going to have him give the homily, but I'm going to have to help him. Not because he needs help, but because you need help. And the reason you need help is because perhaps you don't know the background of what he's talking about. Because what he's going to to talk about is Joseph, noble Joseph, who took thy most pure body from the cross, wrapped it in fine linen. Noble Joseph, he's going to talk about Joseph forgave his brothers. Now, I know this story literally better than anyone in here. I know what Joseph looked like. I know how he was dressed. I know what his brothers looked like. I know this story because I saw it in my little Sunday school leaflets. And I saw it on my mother's flannel board. But some of you don't know the story very well. So I'm going to start with our father, John Chrysostom, and then there'll be a couple of places where I'm going to give a little commentary from the scripture so you'll know what he's talking about. So, says our father, the blessed and noble Joseph, who having shown by his moral purity, shown no less by his long suffering. He was sold when he had done no wrong, but was waiting on others and serving and performing all the duties of a domestic slave. They brought against him an evil accusation, and he did not defend himself, though he had his father on his side. Nay, he even went to carry food to them in the desert. And when he did not find them, he did not despair or turn back. Yet he had an excuse for doing so, had he chosen. But remain near the wild beasts and those savage men, preserving the feeling of a true brother. Now, that sounds pretty strong, but I think he's got it right. Joseph, he is one of the 12 sons of Jacob, or whom is often called Israel, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph is the second youngest, but he's got a problem. He is his father's favorite. He is the, one of the two sons of one of his wives, Ten from the other. And he loved Joseph particularly. Now, Joseph's 11 brothers, and I'm not exaggerating, you won't understand John Chrysostom if you don't understand this. Joseph's 11 brothers hated him. It's repeated twice. They hated him. Why did they hate him? 
Well, they hated him for at least three reasons. Number one, he was his father's favorite. Number two, one time he ratted on him. And he, gave, he went out into the field, and he, they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing, and he went back and told on them. And boy, did they not like him for that. But perhaps they hated him most because he was a dreamer. Particularly two dreams. One dream, he dreamed there were 12 sheaves of wheat. He, his was obviously one, and there were 11 others, and his sheep was standing upright, and the other 11 were bowing down to him. I wonder why his brothers hated him. <laughs> the other dream, he dreamed of the sun and the moon and 11 stars, and these 11 stars and the sun and the moon we're all bowing down to him. His dad got on him for that because it was pretty clear what he meant. The sun was Jacob, the moon was his mother, and the 11 stars were his brother. And they were all bowing down to him. And, and Jacob chastened him for that one. Now, one day when Joseph was 17, Hang on to that. It just helps you in the continuity. He was 17 years old, and his dad said, Joseph, I want you to go out and find your brothers. I want you to take them some food and just find out about their welfare. So he goes out, and he can't find them. He gets lost, sort of, because they weren't where he expected them. And uh, he finds them, and this is why John Christensen says he could have turned back if he wanted to, uh, but he, a, a man finds him, and, he, and w they get to talking. He says, I'm looking for my brothers. Oh, he says, they're over in Dothan. Not Dothan, Alabama. I've been there. But another Dothan. And so he goes and finds his to find his brothers. And they see him coming. And they say, John Chrysostom calls them savage men. They see him coming. Now, Jacob had made Joseph a special coat. I have seen it many times, a very special coat of many colors. On thousands of Sunday school leaflets is that coat of many colors. And they, it's no doubt who's coming. It's Joseph. And they say, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. Oh, that's good brotherly stuff, isn't it? Let's kill him. And so they strip him of his coat. They hated that. And they throw him in a waterless pit. Okay? Then they sit down and have lunch. Can you believe it? They throw him in a pit to die. And then they sit down and have lunch. But it's a good thing they did, because while they were having lunch, a troop of Ishmaelite traders, Ishmael, you know, one of the sons of Abraham, a troop of Ishmaelite traders come along, and Judah, one of the brothers, two of the brothers weren't happy about this business, Reuben and Judah, but Judah says, ooh, I got an idea. 
let's sell him as a let's sell him to the Ishmaelites because Judah didn't want him to die. And so they sell him to, to the Ishmaelite traders for 20 pieces of silver. The Lord, 30. Joseph, 20. And so the Ishmaelite traders take him to Egypt and they sell him as a slave. And the captain of Pharaoh's guard a man named Potiphar buys him. And he serves as a domestic. That's the word Father John Chrysostom uses. He's serving as a slave in Egypt. And he turns out to be a really good slave. And ultimately, Potiphar, Captain Potiphar, puts him in charge of everything he has except his wife. But his wife didn't like that because she wanted to be included in what Potiphar gave him. And so she tries to seduce him. And that's why John Chrysostom says he's shown by his moral purity and by his long suffering because he did not respond to Potiphar's wife's uh, intrigues. But then she accuses him of trying to take advantage of her sexually. And what's Potiphar going to do? He's got to preserve his honor. So he throws Joseph into prison. Probably not the worst possible prison. Potiphar probably had an idea that she wasn't probably on the up and up. But he gets thrown into prison. He gets sold. He gets thrown in a pit. He gets sold as a slave. He gets bought as a slave. Now he's in prison. But the prison the guy ahead of the prison puts him in charge of the prison and one day two guys come to him who had had dreams so the dreamer is now listening to dreams pharaoh's baker and pharaoh's cupbearer and they have a dream and they want to joseph says what's wrong with you guys you don't look happy and they said well we had dreams and he said tell me your dreams well they do and the the cupbearer tells his dream, and the, and the baker tells his dream. And Joseph says, bad news for you, baker, you're going to get killed. Pharaoh's going to kill you. But he says, good news to you, cupbearer, and he's, you're going to be restored. And so it happened immediately. And Joseph says to the cupbearer, remember me to Pharaoh, would you? Well, the cupbearer forgot it until Pharaoh had a dream. And it, Pharaoh has this dream of these se uh, seven fat cattle and seven scrawny cattle. And he has two dreams, really. And, and uh, Pharaoh calls in all his uh, astrologers and everything he has to get his dream interpreted. And nobody can interpret it. And the cupbearer cup says, uh, 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 excuse me, Pharaoh, but I was in prison and a, a, a guy told me my dream. He interpreted it for me and for your baker, and it happened just exactly as he said. So Pharaoh calls Joseph, and he tells him the dream. And Joseph says, oh, yeah, piece of cake. Well, not quite, but he says, oh, what's going to happen? There's going to be seven years of plenty in Egypt, and then seven years of extreme famine, and you need to take care of this. You need to provide during the seven good years for the seven bad. 
And Pharaoh says, hmm, we got to put somebody in charge of taking care of this. That's what pharaohs do. And so they, Pharaoh says, well, you know, Joseph, I'm going to put you in charge of this. So, you know, he got put in charge of Potiphar's house. He got put in charge of the prison. And now he's in charge of Egypt. He's second in command in Egypt. He rides the second chariot. And, uh, and, and Egyptians have to bow down to him when he goes by. And Joseph does a really good job. And Pharaoh gives him a wife. And I want to read you this one little bit. He gives him a wife by the name of Esenath. Now, many of you, the Red Book doesn't have that name. But the marriage ceremony that many of us have used over the years has that name. And you'll hear it like this. Blessed art, bless him, O Lord, as thou didst bless Joseph and Asenath. And so you all ought to know Asenath. She's Joseph's wife. And she bears him two children. And here's what he says. It's very important. Now, before the famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, now, why? For he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. He wasn't wimping around, whining, moaning and growing, oh, those brothers of mine, I hate their guts. And my whole life's gone wrong. I, I get sold. I get thrown in prison. I, I, everything goes wrong for me. No, he, he is not harboring a grudge. And then he named the second Ephraim, for he said, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Trial, but fruitful. How remarkable. Well, his brothers come to get food. The famine is terrible. And it's not just in Egypt. It's the whole region. And Jacob and his family are starving. And they hear there's plenty of grain in Egypt. So back to John Chrysostom. Again, when he dwelt in the prison house and was asked the cause, he spoke no evil of them. He never mentions what his brothers did to him. He spoke no evil of them, but only, I have done nothing wrong, and I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. And after this again, when he was made Lord, he nourished them and delivered them, that's his brothers and father, from 10,000 dangers. Someday, I am going to do a search and find out how many times John Chrysostom says 10,000. Almost as many as Metropolitan Joseph says millions. It's just one of his expressions. 10,000. Okay, it's just his uh, exaggeration. Delivered them from ten, and delivered them from 10,000 dangers. If we be sober, 
if we got our wits about us, the wickedness of our neighbor is not strong enough to cast us out of our own virtue. Just because your neighbor does something really bad against you, like throw you in a waterless pit to die and have lunch while you're there, and then sell you to traders, and you get bought by uh, somebody and, and are a domestic servant, and then you get thrown in prison again, just because what your neighbor does to you doesn't alter your virtue. Oh, my goodness, that's important. But those others, that's his brothers, were not like him. They both stripped him. This is why I told you the story. They both stripped him and endeavored to kill him and reproach him with his dream, though they even received their food from him and planned to deprive him of life and liberty. And they ate and cared not for their brother lying naked in the pit. What could be worse than such brutality? Were not those worse than any number of murderers? John Chrysostom did not like those 11 brothers. After this, having drawn him up, they gave him over to, over to how many deaths? That's right. <laughs> they gave him over to 10,000 deaths, selling him to barbarian and savage men who were on their way on a journey to barbarians. Yet he, when he became ruler, not only remitted them their punishment, but even acquitted them as far at least as relating to himself of their sin, calling what had been done a dispensation of God. Not any wickedness of theirs. Uh, and the things which he did against them, he did not as remembering their evil, but in all these things only as a pretense for his brothers. Now what he means by that is when Joseph's brothers came to Egypt to buy food, he recognized them immediately. But they did not recognize him. So he said to them, you're spies. And you've come to spy out any weakness in Egypt. And they said, oh, no, no. We are honest men. They've been lying for 17 years. No, wait, it's longer than that. He was 17 when they sold him. And he's about 40 now, maybe 39. They've been lying. They never told They killed a goat and put Joseph's coat of many colors, they ruined the thing, in the blood of the goat and took it to their father and they said, Dad, Joseph was killed by a wild beast. They lied. And they lived for all those years as liars. And Joseph didn't do anything to them but he did test them. He put them in prison for three days. I mean, it was easy. But he gave them everything they needed, absolutely everything. And after this, and then I'm going to read you the scripture about it. And after this, when he saw them clinging to him, he straightway threw away the mask and wept aloud 
and embraced them as though he had received the greatest, as though he had received the greatest benefits. He, who formerly was done away with by them, and he brought them all down into Egypt and repaid them with how many benefits? 10,000 benefits. Okay. And the brothers come down, and they buy food. And he sends it back. And I can't tell you the whole story because of time. But Joseph says, if you come back, you got to bring your youngest brother with you. He's got to come, or I'm not even going to talk to you. And it's, it can't happen. Our father won't do it. He says, if you don't bring him, you're not going to get food. I won't even talk to you. Well, things get so desperate, they have to send, him, they have to send uh, Benjamin, the youngest brother. They have to send him back. Okay, so the brothers come back. They've got to get stuff. Now, I had a wonderful Thursday morning because I had, by the way, this sermon of John Chrysostom, I had only read it three nights before. And then here comes Forgiveness Sunday. When he reveals himself to his brothers, finally, the Benjamin, come, they all come back, and he reveals himself finally to his brothers. And then, then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. They're scared to death. And he said to them, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. This is the scripture, Genesis 54. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. What does he say to them? You rotten slobs. I've just spent the last 23 years being a, I've been in prison, I've been a slave, everything has gone wrong, I had a little fortune here now that I'm second in command in Egypt, and you guys can starve. No. He, he just passes it off. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. How do you like that spirit? How do you like it? Thankful when his sons are born and he names them for all the blessings God has given him. And now when his brothers come, now he's tested them a little bit to see if they're, you know, if they've repented at all. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. How do you think you would feel if you were one of the 11 brothers or the 10 brothers that did him the dirt? I'd be astonished. I'd be astonished. Do you know what Joseph acted like? He acted like a true Christian. He utterly forgave. Not even, you know, guys, that wasn't really a good thing you did. He said, you didn't do it. God did it. And I'm not mad at God. 
God did it, not you. To keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Now you must tell my father of all my splendor in Egypt and all that you have seen. And you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept with him. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And afterwards, his, brother talk, his brothers talked with him. That was their Sunday of forgiveness. That was the day of reconciliation. What excuse, St. John Chrysostom, shall we have if after the law and after grace and after addition of so much heavenly wisdom, we do not even strive to rival him, Joseph, who lived before grace and before the law. Who shall deliver us from punishment? For there is nothing, there is nothing more grievous than the remembrance of injuries. And this the man has shown who owed, now the 10,000 this time is different, and this the man who has shown who owed 10,000 talents. This is the parable, he's talking now about the parable of Jesus, of the man who owed 10,000 talents and was forgiven and then went out and demanded his brother who owed him just a, a little bit to pay. And this, the man who has shown that owed 10,000 talents from whom payment was at one time not demanded and at another time demanded because he wouldn't, pay, he wouldn't be merciful to his brother because of the loving kindness of God but demanded because of his own wickedness and because of his malice toward his fellow servant. In other words, his forgiveness was taken back because he wouldn't forgive. And so you heard this morning, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But if, but if you forgive not, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Knowing all which things, let us, here's the conclusion, Knowing all, these, knowing all which things, let us forgive our neighbors their trespasses and repay them by deeds of an opposite kindness that we too may obtain mercy from God through the grace and loving kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What a remarkable story and example of forgiveness. Forgiveness Sunday. Now, if you can come tonight, come tonight to the Vespers where we forgive one another. Husbands, you need to forgive your wife and wives. You need to forgive 
your husband. And if anybody, if you have aught against anyone in this room, you need to forgive them. You are depriving yourself of incredible blessing, as well as depriving your neighbor. Wives, your husband is your closest neighbor. Husbands, your wife is your closest neighbor. Children, especially adult children, you need to forgive your parents because your father was not always right with you. And I need to forgive you, though I'm not sure what for. I mean that. What a wonderful day. Forgiveness Sunday is not a trial. It's a glory. It's wonderful. If you can just meet those who have wronged you the way Joseph responded to his brothers, may God have glory now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen.